This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. It's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. Whatever that you hold on to here, it will burn. It's not going to be around. What are you giving up? Now, this isn't just my words. These are the very words of Jesus that if you are going to follow Him, if you are truly going to say that you are His disciple, that you are His child, then you've got to be willing to lay your life down also. As Pastor David continues to teach us through Romans, we will be learning that God requires us to give up our lives so we may be more like Christ. Christ said, If anyone desires to come after me, they must deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. We must have a humility in order to deny ourselves. We must be willing to suffer in the flesh for Christ's sake. Christ wants us to take up our cross and follow him. If the Spirit is not in control of our life, then our flesh will have full control. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 16, for part one of our message entitled, Groaning in Hope. We're going to begin in verse 16. It says that the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Now, we read this, as a matter of fact, we finished up last week with those two verses. And I spoke to you that uh, Paul, as we've shared in the past, speaks quite often in both legal and accounting terms, just as he's laying out this, the, 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 the discourse of Romans as well as many of his other writings. And in the legal sense, he says that the Spirit here bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So it's not just us going up as a witness for ourselves, saying, no, I'm a child of God. But no, there's a second witness and a greater witness, isn't he? The Holy Spirit of God coming and bearing witness with us. No, this one is mine. This one is mine. He is a child of God. She is a child of God. So together on the record of two witnesses. Testimony is given of the reality of your salvation, the reality of your position in Christ, and again, that personal relationship that you and I have with Christ. There in verse 17, he talks about that if we're children, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now, the the whole idea of the heirs, again, this legal term, that of what we receive because of the richness of our Father. Now, I don't know if any of you have rich fathers in the flesh or not, but you've got an outrageously rich one in heaven that awaits us. Outrageously. The greatness of the blessings that are ours in Christ can't even be measured. Unfathomable is what the Word declares. Man, we can't even begin to imagine what awaits us, the glory that is awaiting us when we come into His presence. He says, If indeed we suffer with Him, 
that we may also be glorified together. And again, I don't want to belabor the point, but this idea of suffering with him speaks of the putting off of the flesh, that I am willing to suffer in the flesh in order that he might be glorified in my life. And that's why he goes on in verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For everything that I put off in this life can't even be compared to just one bit of the richness of what awaits me. Think about it in your life right now. What are you giving up as a believer compared to all that he has for us? For you to come and to take your life and walk your life as a believer, to live your life as a believer, what are you giving up? You're giving up the flesh? You're giving up pride? You're giving up sinful attitudes? You're giving up stuff that's just going to burn with the using? It'll perish with the using? As a matter of fact, I have a pastor friend who used to always say, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. Whatever that you hold on to here, it will burn. It's not going to be around. What are you giving up? Now, this isn't just my words. These are the very words of Jesus that if you are going to follow him, if you are truly going to say that you are his disciple, that you are his child, then you've got to be willing to lay your life down also. Listen to the words of Jesus. Keep your place in Mark. But turn, if you would, to the left and go over to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, the first gospel. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is speaking to those who are already following him. He speaks to his disciples here. And in speaking to his disciples, he gives them this hard word. Now, beloved, I know that grace is free. I know that my salvation is free to me. But it was very costly to him. Christ laid his life down for me. So it was a costly salvation, though for me it did not cost. But yet, now that I am a believer, Jesus says, if you are going to follow me, there is a cost that you will incur. And this is what he speaks in Matthew 16, beginning over in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. To deny yourself, to take up your cross, and to follow him. There is a humility, there is a sacrifice, and there is an obedience in following Christ. And in every one of those who are truly his children, each one of those factors need to be in our life. There needs to be a humility that I'm going to deny myself and prefer him. A fact that in my flesh, as my flesh is crying out that I want this and I need this and I desire this, that I'm willing to deny that, that I'm willing to suffer in the flesh for his sake. But it goes much more than just denying. No, now it's sacrificing. He says that you're willing to take up the cross. You understand what taking up the cross means. It doesn't mean that you have a cool little piece of jewelry to wear. It doesn't mean that you have something hanging on the wall. It means that what you understand is, man, I am dying to self. 
I don't, I don't want self to have control of my body at all. I don't want self to have control of my future. I don't want self to have control of my mind. I want the Spirit to be in control, and I want to be led and directed by the Spirit of God. And, beloved, it's only when you are led and directed by the Spirit of God that you can truly say, that you can truly say that you're following Him. Because if the Spirit is not in control of your life, you're not following Him. You're following yourself. And you've got to deny yourself. You've got to have that idea of sacrifice, taking up your cross daily. And then that idea of obedience. Now I'm going to follow him. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on. He says, whoever deserves to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The most miserable individual in the world today is that one who claims Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in his life, and yet is living after the flesh. Because he will not find satisfaction in the flesh, nor does he find the peace of God in his life. He is torn to pieces. His, his inner man, her inner woman, is, is being torn to pieces and stretched because, again, there is no satisfaction in the world. And there's no peace of God in their life. And so that turmoil, and many of us know those kind of people, and perhaps some of us this morning are those kind of people, and there is no peace, there's no satisfaction, there's no fulfillment in our lives. Jesus says, you lose your life for my sake, that's when you find it. But he doesn't stop there. He asks a very potent question to each one of us. He says, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What are you holding on to? What are you grasping a hold of in this world that's going to impact your eternity in such a negative state? Beloved, if you're a child of God, you've got to lay it all at the cross. You've got to lay it down. You've got to empty yourself in order that he might fill you. He says, the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Verse 27 there, still in Matthew. That verse popped out at me this week like it never has. And I don't know if this, and hopefully it does. I mean, I'm not unique in this. You, you read something over and over and over again in, in the Word, and all of a sudden you open and you read it this one time, and all of a sudden, bam, this thing jumps right out at you. And the thing that jumped out at me in verse 27 was a very small word, and that word is then. Then. He says, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. What does and then mean to you? To me, it means that it's not happening right now. It's not complete right now. It's something that's yet going to happen. Then the rewards will come. And for too many believers today, and I believe in particular our generation in our society and even within our own country, our culture, we look for immediate gratification rather than understanding, no, the suffering and the putting down and the denying of the flesh today works in me a much greater glory that is yet to be 
revealed because it says, and then he will reward each according to his works. Immediate gratification. I'll do a little test with you this morning to show you how each one of us are up for and desire immediate gratification. How many of you in your homes do not have a microwave? You do not have a microwave. Uh, just raise it. You see? And why do we have microwaves? Because they're fast. I gotta cook the thing for 45 minutes in the oven. But in the microwave, it's like three minutes. Well, that's not to mention the fact that who wants to fire up an oven in Arizona in the summertime. But the fact is, if you stick with me here, that, that whole idea. You know, fast food isn't fast enough for us. No, every fast food restaurant has a drive through to make it even faster. I don't even have to get out of my car. I want it now. And that's evolved into our spiritual lives, too. Well, Lord, I prayed and I read your word yesterday. How come I don't feel the blessing today? Lord, I was obedient to you five minutes ago. How come I don't feel the power of your presence in my life right now? You see, we don't know in our culture, we don't know what it is to suffer in the name of Christ. We don't know what long-suffering and patient endurance is in our lives. Because by and large, none of us have ever really experienced patient endurance for the cause of Christ. And we're going to look at that a little bit more. Turn with me back to Romans, if you would. He said that this present suffering can't even be compared to the glory which is going to be revealed to us. And then in verse 19, he, con- or 19, he continues on. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. This earnest expectation Creation eagerly awaiting that revealing. You understand that all of creation, all that God created, is waiting for the fulfillment in your life and my life of all that God has planned and designed for us. We think that we're anxious about it because we've been believers for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And man, I'm just ready to be with the Lord. I'm so anxious about that. Well, what about creation who has been impacted for so many years because of the fall? Now, I don't know where you're at in this, and um, quite frankly, to be politically correct, I really don't care. Uh, but uh, I believe that the world is only around 6,000 years old. My God is powerful enough to do what I read in Genesis chapter 1. But you know what? In that 6,000 years after the fall, it has suffered from the fall. Creation has suffered. So it, earnest, with earnest expectation, eagerly awaiting the revealing of the sons of God. Because creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. In hope. He goes on to say, because creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty 
of the children of God. What is the bondage of corruption that he speaks about here for creation, that creation itself, the world and all that's in it? Cursed is the ground for your sake, Adam. Keeping your place here in Romans, turn all the way to the left, to Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, we read words about this cursing of the ground. Not because of the ground, but because of Adam and Adam's sin. In Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 17, we read these words. And this is after the fall and God coming and speaking to the serpent and to Eve and now to Adam. He says, then he said to Adam, he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In essence, he's saying this, cursed is the ground because of you. Because of you. Because of the sin of Adam, all of creation is cursed. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb and the field of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Both thorns and thistles it's going to bring forth for you. You know, in the Garden of Eden, they didn't have thorns and thistles. Can you just imagine that? We who live in the desert where everything has thorns. Uh, in the Garden of Eden, there were not. Can you imagine roses without thorns? You pay a lot of money to get roses without thorns today. But because of the fall, the ground was cursed. Thorns and thistles and the toiling that has to go into it in order to be able to provide the nourishment for man to live. Whereas prior to the fall, they could walk through the Garden of Eden and say, Wow, that looks great. Oh, no, no, that's, that's fantastic. Oh, this, this looks good. Oh, no, no. And just, man, they, they, had, they had a great feast a great buffet table, literally, that was set before them and with only one restriction. And yet, even with that one restriction, they were disobedient to God. And because of that, not only the curse fell on the serpent because of him drawing them into that sin, but then on Eve and to Adam and all of mankind following them, but even on the creation itself. The creation itself having this, again, this bondage of corruption. Go back to Romans, if you would. He says there in verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. From the time of the fall until now, the whole creation groaning and laboring with birth pangs together until now. And ladies, I don't want to for a moment uh, have you think that I know anything about the pain of childbirth because I know absolutely nothing about it. Never experienced it myself, only vicariously through my wife. And even that, uh, you know, I was so far from that. I know nothing about it. But ladies, you understand, and many of you men understand because you've seen your wives or others that have gone through the, the contractions and the pain that comes with this. And it's kind of interesting that he would use this illustration, these birth pangs as anticipation, because ladies, what happens after the birth pangs? 
You are delivered. You're delivered. Now, I love that word. They say, I went to the delivery room and I was delivered. And I think that that's what the earth is waiting to be. It's waiting to be delivered. And right now it's going through the contractions. And right now it's feeling these birth pangs. And you know what, beloved? I believe that we are in the delivery room right now with that anticipation that at any moment, at any hour, at any time, man, the delivery will take place. And not only will we be out of here, but the earth itself will be delivered from the curse that was placed on it because of the sin of Adam. And you think, well, what kind of birth pangs does creation have that the world has? Well, we saw a bit of it in Haiti just a couple of months ago. We've seen it in in floods all around the world in places where it's never flooded before. We see tornadoes and, and hurricanes and typhoons and tsunamis and all kinds of natural disasters that are taking place. Remember, it was a couple of years ago, we thought we'd lose Australia. The whole place was on fire. And these kinds of natural disasters that take place. I believe that these are all part of those birth pangs of the natural course of what our earth is in. And I get the question all the time. Do you think it's because of sin that the uh, earthquake in Haiti was caused? My quick answer to that is, yes, I do. And it happened back in the garden. And because of the sin of the garden, all of creation suffered. And all of creation is, again, in that time of bondage, of corruption. And we have these birth pangs even now. I believe and I know and I understand that the work of God in this world continues on. But the fact is, is this world was not meant to last forever. Amen? This world was was doomed for destruction. As a matter of fact, scientists who are not believers, who don't care anything for this word or for the God who spoke it, look at the world and say, man, you know what? This thing's got to wind it down here. We don't have too, too, too much longer. Now, some of them might say, well, we've only got hundreds of thousands of years or this or that. But I believe it's much, 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 much shorter than that. And I believe that this delivery process is about ready to happen. And I'm looking forward to it. I don't know about you. And I believe that that's why in the next verse, he says in verse 23, and not only that, not only all of creation ready for it, not only all of creation groaning and, and, and anticipation looking for it, but we ourselves groan within ourselves. We who are his children, there is a groaning that's going on within it. He says in verse 23, we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. What a great thought that is. The adoption. We're waiting for the adoption. Well, we know in Christ and in this whole process of sanctification that when we came to Christ, we were adopted. He's already shared that with us earlier in this passage. But you know what? We're still at the orphanage. Daddy hasn't come to pick us up yet. Our Father, the the papers have been signed. The seal has been placed upon it by the Holy Spirit. He has not picked us up yet. 
And you know the sweetness of adoption, and some of you may know it because you've experienced either because you have an adopted child or because you were adopted. You know what? Our birth kids, we don't have much of a choice, do we? We, we pretty well get what we get. But on the adoption, you go and pick. It says, wow, I want that one. And that's what your father did with you. He says, oh, but man, I was such a mess. That's all right. He knew you. He knew you better than yourself. And he knew your tomorrows as well as your past. There was no questioning about where you came from and how you got to where you were. No, he knew all of those things. And even out of that wisdom, the word says that he chose us even before the foundations of the world, even before we were born. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to theopenword.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, again, we encourage you to log on to theopenword.com. Although The Open Word teachings are always available to you free of charge, if you'd like to help support this ministry, simply log on to our homepage at theopenword.com and click on the support link to make a secure donation to this teaching ministry. Your donation can be set up as a one-time or regularly scheduled tax-deductible gift to this ministry. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.